But today, I want to engage with you uh, uh, something that is at the heart of DCC, a downtown community church, um, and it's how we love the city. And what I believe is one of the reasons why we are here, uh, why God, has, God called us eight years ago to start this church. We're about to be at eight years as DCC, and we're a month away from that. That's really exciting. I can't believe that. Um, the last three years have been really interesting and amazing and tough, all that at the same time, as you can imagine. And uh, I'm very thankful tonight and so today with, because of that. And, but today I want to invite you into a picture of DCC and why we are here and who we are as we follow Christ. And it is our hope, our prayer, this is a safe place for you to come and ask your questions of God. Uh, no matter who you are and how you believe, we want to create a place for anyone to come and to, and to pursue God. And, uh, and so we, we want you to do that. And, and so uh, why in the world would I show this weird, crazy video of Jonah? Well, I want to pursue this story today uh, and read actually the story of Jonah. So maybe you've heard of it. As I would say, even if you didn't grow up in church or, you know, you, you know your, your background's not with that, you may have heard of this. And and so, is, is it historical? And some of you are like, why would we talk about this? And you'll see, uh, because if you, if you grew up in going to a church somewhere, especially as a kid, you probably would hear the story of Jonah, and it would maybe have been presented in some interesting way like that. I don't know. Um, but I think as adults, we maybe have heard of this, and we think of it primarily as a children's story. And maybe it's just a literary thing. It's, is, is it really true? And, uh, you know, all those different things. Well, well, we actually do believe that it is a historical account of God engaging in a very interesting way. And, uh, but it's not a story that's just for kids. In fact, it's, it would be almost the opposite. And so I want to engage this because it's, it's something that um, it reveals to us the heart of God. Because it's a story actually about Jonah and his heart. And in fact, we're pretty sure that Jonah wrote this or someone who was very close to Jonah. And so Jonah is very revealing of his, his, his kind of his angry heart. And so what this story is really about is about a massive city that God cares a lot about. It's a story of God's righteousness and his, his justice, how he wants to pursue that. Uh, but that is simultaneously a story of God's compassion and his patience, his incredible love for us. And then ultimately, we'll see how it's also a story that's a mirror to you and to me. And so I want to bring this out to us today because I also believe it shows us um, kind of our passion for this city here, Jersey City, and, and how God has called us here to it as a church family. And you're invited into that story. So I want to walk us through, I'm, you know, we're just going to skip around. I'm not going to be incredibly detailed with the story of Jonah. And Jonah was a prophet that God had called to speak to his people and their accounts of Jonah in Scripture uh, in other places. Uh, but God gave a very specific call to Jonah that he didn't like. So let's, we're going to jump right in. So here we go. Uh, that was totally not a metaphor, but I, you know, I was a pun or whatever you want to say. I just realized what I just said. We're just, I, I love walking myself into things like that. Um, anyway, there you go. We're going to jump right in. Okay. Uh, 
Thanks for laughing. I appreciate your entertaining that. So here we go. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, which is a fascinating statement. It's, it's, it was a huge city. Uh, and this is God saying this, and so he's calling it a great city. It's fascinating. Um, because they, they were actually at a low point. Uh, this, the city of Nineveh, the country, was, was, was kind of against Jonah's people, the nation of Israel. They were kind of the enemy, but they were, as a society, really at a low point. We, we know through, through history. Um, he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. And he says this, he goes, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. And so this is God's instruction to Jonah. And then here's Jonah's response. He says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to, to Tarshish. Uh, and we'll find out, like, why, why is he, like, he doesn't like the people of Nineveh. He's a little biased. He's incredibly prideful. He could be a little racist, but it's really just more about spiritual pride, um, which is kind of like a similar thing. And he doesn't like what God's asked him to do. And so he thinks he can run. Uh, but if God's speaking to you, I think that seems foolish. But anyways, uh, anyway, so, so Jonah does this, and he gets onto this boat, and God uh, is God of every place, you know, uh, the sea, the land, everything. And, uh, and so it seems kind of foolish. And uh, so God sends a storm after this boat, and Jonah knows that that's what it is. And they're, like, freaking out, like it's a massive storm, this boat is going to sink. And so the sailors aren't calm. And they've got these weird accents in the video. I think it's really, really funny. Like, oh, Yahweh is, and like, I don't know what's going on there. But um, they're suddenly pirates, I guess. Um, and so that's not what was happening. Um, but they're freaking out. Like, this ship is going to crash. Um, and so Jonah's like, this is, the problem is me. God's after me. And he tells everybody, we'll pick this back up here. This is verse 9. So Jonah answered, he he tells them, he goes, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. He's like, this storm has come because of me. And it says that the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. And they're like, oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Like, they're mad. And since the storm was getting worse, all the time they asked him, what should we do to you <laughs> to stop this storm? And so Jonah says, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Now, here's what's really interesting about this is, is Jonah just needed to repent and say, God, I'm sorry I did this, but he won't do it. He's, he's incredibly stubborn. Instead, he'd rather kill himself. I'm serious. Like His answer to this is just like, throw me over, and to which the sailors were shocked. Like, he would rather die than to actually carry out this mission, mission that God had sent him towards. Uh, but they're like, no, like, that's crazy. And so it says, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. So they're like, okay, 
So then they cried out to, to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. And I love this. They're finding faith, and Jonah's trying to run away from it. It's a fascinating story. So it says, they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. It's an amazing statement of faith. I love that. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. And this is amazing because suddenly these sailors are suddenly fa- you know, face-to-face with a God who's at work. So the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. And I love it. Like, here are these sailors, and they are suddenly fearing God and ready to, they're like, we're here to serve you now. And Jonah's like, I will die before I follow you, I obey you, before I go to Nineveh. That's a hard heart, right? Like, that's a kind of a, a, a dark, wretched heart. And this is from someone who, who believed in God, who had been serving him, God had been using him in great ways. Uh, his, his country, his nation, because of him as a prophet, was prospering and doing well. And so I think it's, it's really, it could be helpful to see that we, we can't be pursuing God and, and, and still have things that aren't fully there and what we need to work on. And this is why God was pursuing Jonah. Jonah, I mean, God was after Nineveh in their hearts. But he was also after Jonah in his heart. Those who were far from him, he was seeking them. And, and what someone who was, you know, quote unquote, close to him, religious, and following him, he was like, your heart is not okay either. So this is where the story continues. He says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And that's a fascinating way to write it. The God, God had arranged for this. Uh, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, there is a very direct reference to Jesus here, which is, which is an interesting thing for me to say out loud. But the three days and three nights is, is a, was, and Jesus, well, we'll see this in a little bit, he directly references this when he was here with us. And this was like sh- foreshadowing this, you know, Jesus was going to be killed and be, you know, three days and three nights and then rise again. And so we see this interesting thing that God is doing here. And in, in his pursuit of people, for them to be rescued and to be redeemed. This is a theme that God was showing us throughout the Old Testament that he longed for us to experience when Jesus came. And so this is a direct reference to that. And if God so chooses to do this in the miracle, he can. And so you might say, do you really believe this? And to which I would say, we do. We do. And it's all because of Christ. And Jesus references this directly, actually. And so Jonah... Jonah chapter 2 is just a full prayer from Jonah from inside the belly. And he gives this great, eloquent, poetic prayer. And fascinatingly enough, the book of Jonah is, is very eloquently written, well-written. It's, it's very poetic. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And so he gives this prayer, and he's like, I, I will do what you ask me to do. Um, to which I'll be like, I would be the same. <laughs> like it's a crazy place to be in. And so after this, it says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. 
this gross, yucky, smelly dude. Here we go. And then God continues. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. He says, get up and go. I love this. Here it is. The great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. So what does he do? After all that, he's like, okay. (laughs) He does. He says, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. He says, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now, it's interesting. I have see it all here. This says to go through it, different English translations. Uh, it It says, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. He's just walking around like a crazy man, essentially. He's shouting to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And so it's interesting here because this is like, you guys would love this today, the shortest sermon ever. He was just walking through saying, repent. Like God's going to destroy this, this family if you, if you do it. And so, so it's great. Short sermon. Some of you are like, yeah, you should do that. We can go get lunch. We can get in, head in line for brunch. So I've got a timer just so you know. <laughs> this will end. I won't go forever. Um, but they, they heard him and they believed. And this is God at work. This was about God's desire and Jonah being obedient and faithful and using him. And this is how God wants to use us as well. That we think it's got to be about our ability. It's got to be about all these things that we do. And God is saying, just be faithful and follow me and believe, and I will use you. And one of the things that I say here all the time at DCC is, just, is, is, is to take steps towards God and allow him to use you in his story. And one of my hopes this year is we, we begin to share stories of what God is doing within our DCC family. And maybe you, you can do that because God can use that in a powerful way. But we many times get hung up on my ability or lack of abilities, whatever it may be. And God just loves to use us. And his plan from the beginning was to use you and I for his purposes. And we see this happening here. And even the king, it says, it continues, it says, When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. This was a customary thing of the time. And I'm sorry because I'm reading differently than, than you see here. But it says, And the king and his nobles sent a decree throughout the city. It says, No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Remember, God said it was an incredibly wicked city. They were doing horrible things. And here he says, he's like, turn away from your violence. He goes, who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And so they believed his message, and, and they're like, I'm going to turn around and repent and do this. And this they continue to say, he says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destructions he had threatened. God heard their cries, forgives them. It's amazing. 
And so Jonah should be excited, right? This godless people, incredibly awful, you know, whatever, you know, I can't imagine what they are doing for this, for God to pursue them in this way. Uh, so what is Jonah's reply? He wasn't expecting this. He wasn't expecting this at all. And so here it says in Jonah 4, it says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. He goes, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a, listen to this phrase, I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. One of the translations says, he says, you were, you're slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I love, this is the description of our God. Back, way back in the, in, early in the Old Testament, in Exodus, God is beginning to describe himself, and he says, I am I'm a merciful and compassionate God. Like, like if God was to put a resume out, that's the first thing that he would say to us. I'm full of mercy and love. I'm rich in it. That's the way how he says it. He goes, I'm rich in mercy and love. Imagine that being in your work resume, you, or maybe some of you recruiters, some of you, that's all you do is read resumes. I mean, I am rich in mercy and love. Like, wow, okay. That's what God says first. He goes, he goes I knew that. And that's why he didn't want to go. He knew the heart of God. He continues, as you are eager to turn back from destroying people, and then he says this. He goes, just kill me now, Lord. He's back to jumping off the boat. He goes, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Wow. He really hates these people. And by, by the way, this is Jonah writing this. That's such an interesting narrative. Like he, He's showing us how awful his heart was. And God was dealing with Jonah. And basically what he's showing us is his heart was just as bad as theirs. And they both needed saving. And so God replies to him. He goes, is it right for you to be angry about this? And this is fascinating. Because Jonah would rather die then serve a God who loves his enemies. And we'll get into this, but this is something that we struggle with as well. And so this whole engagement with God begins with Jonah. So the story shifts back to Jonah, and he, Jonah's like, I don't like this. And he just sits there, and he's like a little toddler. If you have a niece or nephew or you have a kid of your own, and they get mad. You know, my wife and I were talking about this recently. We missed it when our kids were really young. They get mad. They go... Like they had this great little expression, and it was all we could do to keep them laughing. Because they need, like, to show it. Have you seen this before? Like, <clears throat> like they get a little frown in their whole body. And this is Jonah. Jonah's throwing a fit. He sits down, he gets angry, and God creates, has a tree, a weed that just grows up and, and covers him and gives him shade. But then the sun comes out, and the sun begins to wither the plant, and it dies. And then Jonah begins to mourn the plant. 
goes, oh, I wish this plant would come back. And he's mourning it. And he mourned this plant more than people. And so God comes back to Jonah and he says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? <laughs> I love this. This is such a great dialogue. And Jonah says, it is. And I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. For the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And what in the world does that mean? 120,000 people can't tell. Who can't tell their right hand from the left? The toddler. Goes, hmm. Like a little kid. The city is so large, there's 120,000 really young like babies, toddlers. He's like, shouldn't I be concerned about them too? And so this is what's fascinating about this story. We look at Jonah and be like, wow, he's really hateful. And it, it's really fun to kind of dive into something and really begin to understand what was going on and what's happening in, in Jonah's heart. And what Jonah was helping us to see. And, I mean, Jonah was so well written, poetically, all these different things. If you look into it, I, I don't, other people help me see that. I don't know how to do that. But, um, but we see this theme coming out, and it's continual. From the, the, we have the Old Testament, which is when this is, this is all pointing towards Christ coming. And there's this continual theme of be careful of your self-righteous religion. Be careful. And we say, man, Jonah's heart is pretty interesting. Well, this is where we flip this because the first thing for us to see is that Jonah is a mirror to the re reader. It was written to a religious audience. Jonah is a mirror to you and me. We see through this the worst parts of our own character reflected. And this is so let me ask you this question Are you okay with the God who loves your enemies? Are you okay with the God? who loves Republicans? Are you okay with a God who loves Democrats? And the, the fringe people on both sides? And I don't know, are you okay with a God who would come and forgive Putin? That's a pretty... Everybody like, nope, not okay with that. <laughs> That's probably a pretty logical reaction. It's interesting, right? We, we don't know how to love people who disagree with us in our culture today. And we need a, a vocabulary and a way to do this. Because ultimately, you and I have things that need to be forgiven. And we need a God who cares about that for us. 
And we kind of just, we feel that in culture, right? I'd just rather see you dead than to actually learn how to engage. So we should be careful. We look at Jonah's heart. He would rather sit in pity, no action, and die than love those who are different than him, who are less religious. And this is God's heart. He is seeking after all of us, not just those that he has said are, are the, uh, my people. He had called Israel my people. But over and over in Scripture, God says, I am pursuing everyone. It is there for all of us. And so Jesus confronted this, and I mentioned this earlier. Uh, Jesus mentioned Jonah two t- different times. One that we find in Matthew 12. He says, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and, the, and when Jesus was here amongst us, he, he was constantly interacting with these religious teachers, and they were the, 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 the you know, top of the religious culture at the time. And so they were very prideful, and Jesus confronted this constantly. And so they were kind of poking Jesus. They said, Jesus, we want to, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. They're like, you know, do a show for us. And they, are, they were just in it for themselves. And he answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. He says, but none will be given except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man, this he's talking about himself, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation to condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. He goes, and now something greater than Jonah is here. He's talking about himself. This happened again in Matthew 16. They came back to him demanding that he show the miraculous sign, which he was already doing. He replied to them, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how, you know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you do not know how to interpret the signs of the times. So he's like, you can tell bad weather's coming or good weather's coming. He goes, but here, here was the Messiah that they've been seeking and, t- and sought after in Scripture right in front of them. He had been performing miracles. It was, obvious, it was obvious to them that he was here. He says, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. They had the long-promised and long-awaited Messiah right in front of them. And they refused to acknowledge Jesus. And he was saying, your hearts are just like Jonah's. What we see Jesus really become angry and confront was almost always religious people and their pride in their hearts. And so we look at the story of Jonah, who was God mad at. He was mad at the city, but he let them know and they repented. They were like, we'll do this. We'll come back. He was mad at Jonah, but Jonah was indignant. And this is a warning to us as Christ followers. We have to always fight against this tendency to find God and to be forgiven and to be religious and then to stand on that and become really prideful and just to make it about ourselves. And we kind of see this in our culture. We have a lot of people who are religious and they're kind of condemning and condemning and condemning. And a lot of people like to condemn the city and look all evil and all this stuff that's going on in there. And God's like, be careful. If you read through the book of Romans, Romans, like there's several chapters where, where Paul just addresses the religious, those who are religious, to say, you are just as bad as anybody else. And you can become prideful about how good you've become, but the ocean of your sin is still an ocean of sin. It's kind of like trying to swim to Hawaii. They're like, look how you know, far I can swim, but you're still going to drown. Like your ocean, it's just as, as much as anybody else. We need 
Christ and His forgiveness. And we need to be careful. It's a warning. Be careful to don't let your self-perceived righteousness blind you from the heart of God because we will miss Him all together. And what it is, is His heart? His heart is you are a merciful, Jonah's own words, a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. If you're someone here who is, we could say, maybe far from God or on a journey or asking questions of Him, and you struggle with religion and those who seem to be so self-righteous, guess what? So does God. <laughs> Consistently. It's interesting, huh? You're like, maybe I like God more than you think. And remember, this is a story about a city. God loves the city. Jonah shows us God's incredible love for the city. Why? Because there's so many people there. Jersey City is exploding, right? It's obvious that he loved this city. Since we started, since our church has started in, in, in downtown Jersey City at the time, downtown there weren't that many uh, churches that we're engaging in new and, and places to go. And now we've seen a couple others, different churches in this neighborhood, in this, this area begin to start. And that's really exciting. And we love that. I'm friends with the pastors. <laughs> we support one another. That's incredible. There's some amazing churches, other parts of Jersey City that have been here for years and they're doing an amazing job and amazing work. And there's a need for that. Because God loves this city, because that's where people are. And one of the hearts, for the belief, our heart here is, is to love those who are far from God, whether they ever believe in God or not. We want to love this city. We want to serve it. And, if, and to be part of, the, of DCC, be part of the family here. If you struggle in loving those who are far from God, you probably won't like being part of our church family because we're passionate about that. This month, we're beginning the lead up it, up to Easter, and it's a time where more people are willing to come and engage God and, and follow Him. And one of the things we, we want to do this month is engage in simple service, where we stand at the path stations and hand out granola bars and chocolates as people commute. And one of the reasons that we do this is because so many people in the city don't have anybody that they know. You know, you all understand this. We've moved here from all over parts of this country and all over the world. And we know that when we do this consistently, people come and are able to find Him. We have stories of people doing this. And I'm going to share some of those next week. Just a couple of snapshots where people have found incredible community and God has changed their lives because of an invite. That's one of the ways that you can impact and be part of this. I'm going to call us to do this this month, and I'd love for you to take the step with that. I also want to encourage you just to take steps with us in some kind of way as we love others. If you're new with us, come to be part of our welcome gathering today. I'd love to share more about our story and our passion. You can be part of that. You can join a serving team and, or join an event in some kind of way. Just begin to take steps with us as we love this city together. If you are a Christ follower and you are here in this city, God has called you to serve and to love. He has gifted you in this way. It's part of how we serve Him and one of, one of the things I ask you to do is to find a church family to engage and to serve. 
If you're here just for yourself, you may not like it here. And I know from my pastor friends, if you go to their church, they'll eventually say the same thing, just so you know. (laughs) But you've been called to do that. If you are someone who's seeking God, come again, ask your questions of Him, engage. We'd love for you to do that. This is the heart of who God's called us to be. It's why we started this church eight years ago. I encourage you to take a step. We love this city. I want you to know that I love Jersey City and I'm committed. I'm called here to do this. And Whether you're here for a year or you're here for 10 years or forever, we want to invite you to join with us. Engaging with us a year will impact somebody's life forever. What an awesome opportunity to be part of God's story in this city. What's interesting about Jersey City is you can walk through it in about, I don't know, a couple hours, an hour. (laughs) But there's so many people here. What a joy that is. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are, your love for us. And God, we need to hear that you are a God who is patient, compassionate. You are slow to get angry. I'm quick to get angry. You're slow to anger. You're quick to mercy. You are filled with unfailing love. God, I pray that we would love you and love others and love this city the same way. God, I confess that it's easy for me to just be mad at others and be angry and I'm frustrated with the world because of all these different things. And I pray that we would learn to just not worry about that and love others as as you have loved us. I pray that we would continue to be a church that does that. That you would change our hearts in the process, just like you did, Jonah. We thank you for this message. God, uh, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.